0: welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor to Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. Before we get started with this episode and our amazing guests, I want to play the trailer for our new podcast coming March 1st, brought to you by the Detroit Free Press, co-hosted by myself and Pistons beat writer, Omari Sankofa II, The Pistons Pulse. What's up Detroit Pistons and NBA fans and welcome to Detroit Free Press's newest podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper and 12-year high school coach, and my exciting new co-host.
1: Hey everyone, this is Omari Sanko for the second Detroit native and Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press.
0: Omari and I will be bringing you insightful analysis on the players, coaches, front office, games, and all the storylines around your Detroit Pistons and the NBA. Tune in to hear Omari bring insider insights and analysis as a Pistons beat writer and Detroit native.
1: I've covered the Detroit Pistons for about two years, and I'm coming up on year four covering the NBA. And I would say just being a full-time beat writer, you really do get um, a great outlook on not only how you know, NBA players think, how teams think. Uh, But also the insight that you get just from being able to talk to players, uh, talk to people behind the scenes, it really gives you an overarching perspective on how the NBA operates. And I'm excited to have this podcast with Bryce, uh, who could give you the insight on uh, the player perspective a bit more as a former D1 player at American University and current high school coach for 12 years. Uh, He could tell you his stories about his interactions with Bruce Pearl and also just what it means to play the sport at a high level. Uh, Bryce, can you give the fans a little look into your experience playing against Blake Griffin?
0: Yeah, so I don't want to spoil it too much. All I will say is we opened my senior year at Oklahoma. We walked into the gym about three hours before game time and he was out there drenched in sweat doing an individual workout, obviously not taking us very serious. I walked into the gym and I was never more intimidated by a player in my life, but I'll save the rest of that and my interaction with Bruce Pearl and more. Got plenty of stories from my playing days to share with you and what I think gives me a keen eye whenever we're watching these Pistons play.
1: We'll have a new episode for you every Tuesday with special episodes around big games, free agency, and the draft. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and on all Freep's social media.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at Motor City
1: Hoops. So tune in Tuesday, March 1st for the first episode of the Pistons Post. That can be found anywhere you listen to your podcast and on Freep.com.
0: And make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the first or any episode of the Pistons Pulse. We will talk to you soon. The Pistons Pulse podcast feed is out wherever you listen to your podcast, so make sure you go ahead and subscribe and follow so you don't miss out on the first or any episode. Also, I got a couple quick apologies here. First, I put out the unedited version of the instant recap episode from Wednesday's night game over the Celtics. I am so sorry, guys. I had my hands full that night. My wife had a very much well-deserved girls' night out. No sarcasm whatsoever. I'm being 100% serious. Well-deserved. But I was at home with the three little ones trying to watch the game, record, break it down, edit it, all that stuff and I uploaded the wrong file. So I apologize for that, but it will not happen again. We kind of pride ourselves on that. Also, I've been mispronouncing our guest's name, and I'm very embarrassed about this. So I'm going to get it right as I introduce a guest that I'm absolutely pumped about being joined by Sham Mohile, which I've been like I said pronouncing incorrectly, but Sham is a content creator for Detroit Bad Boys and just an amazing person to talk to when it comes to Detroit Pistons. Sham, welcome to Motor City Hoops and thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Really excited to finally be a part of it. Been a, a long time listener, silent observer. Uh, finally got a chance to spout some, some hot takes on here. Um, and please do not apologize for your kids. Don't apologize for any of that but I will graciously accept your apology for bitching my name.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. And it truly was. And, and I'm so sorry. Um, I'll be honest. Like Sham and I have like interacted a little bit on Twitter ever since I've been around. Like I, I followed him. He's followed Motor City Hoops. You know, we talk here and there. And then just recently, I feel like Sham, we've, you know, started talking more and more, you know, just through DMs and stuff like that. So I'm super, super one to, you know, for that, but also to to do an episode with you.
2: Yeah, likewise. I mean it's 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 nice finally hearing your 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 voice with your DMs, with the with just the whole package. It's just it's finally nice to be here. No doubt, no doubt.
0: So let's get started. NBA All Star Weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Obviously, not a lot of piss and stuff from the one the game on Sunday, the actual All Star game, but Friday night got us started. So let's go there with the rising stars. And first thing I want to ask you before we talk about Sadiq, Isaiah, Arcade. What did you think about the new format for this competition on Friday night? Okay, for this specific event, I don't, I do not share this opinion across the
2: other events the whole weekend. But for this specific event, I love it. It was short, entertaining, interesting, and what I really liked about it was there was a a good mix of the All Star game, like you know, like just showmanship, you know, throwing lobs, deep threes, like just kind of showcase. But then at the very end of the games, each and every one it got competitive, which is what I love to see with these young guys, and especially when they have so much to prove. Um, they all want to be on a highlight reel. It's super fun just to see them compete at the end.
0: Yeah, no, I love it too, and I agree with you. I liked it. It kind of was fast-paced and and, and moved along. For those of you that don't know, there was 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, four G League guys, and I, I do want to talk to Sham about at least one of those guys, and and he may have another one. So we got a chance to see those G League guys just a little bit. So that's 28 players divided between four teams. Sadiq and Beef Stew were on the same team. Cade was on a different team and they ended up playing each other for, I guess, whatever you want to call championship. The, the championship. The championship yeah, yeah, yeah. So team one played team two to a game to 50, three versus four to a game to 50, and then the winners played a game to 25. Let's just talk about our Detroit Pistons. You, I'll let you choose. Sadiq, Stewart, or Cade Cunningham, which one do you want to start with? I know we can't take a lot away from these, but what did you think about their performance? performances on Friday night. Well, I mean, let's,
2: let's start with, uh, I guess like Sadiq and Beefstew, just cause it was the, you know, they were on the same team and whatnot. And, and what I loved about watching them play is I, as I felt like both of them, unlike a couple other people who were on their team and other teams, they really excelled in the role that was given to them. They basically did the same thing that they would do every night for the Pistons, except better and had more fun with it. That's the, that's my take on the way they performed.
0: Yeah. I love it. Like we saw them be successful but like you say like they just kind of stayed in their role and i think that's kind yeah. of what those guys are Sadiq really scored the ball Stu you know just making hustle plays offensive rebounds we saw them i think i saw a funny tweet from somebody and i uh, so in complete transparency we had a game on friday night and then me and my fellow coaches we went on a trip one of our uh, our girls coach actually played at iowa state so we drove to ames iowa yeah. to watch a game yeah so i was in the vehicle i was watching on my phone I luckily have dish anywhere, so I, I wasn't always watching live, but somebody commented, like, if you're watching this game, you must think the Pistons dunk all the time, because I think Stu and Sadiq had a couple dunks, mm-hmm. three or four, to start the game. So I'm not sure everybody got a, a true look at how we, what we see from the Detroit Pistons every night.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, Totally agree. But at the, at the end of the day, it's the Rising Stars game, right? You're going to see them do a little bit more than what they're expected to do on a night-to-night basis. And let me give a big shout-out to House of Highlights because that YouTube uh, channel, they do such a good job. I, I'm pretty sure I watched every single bucket um, of of every single game the whole weekend. And I think each highlight thing was like 10 minutes long. Such a great way to digest the content, see all the scoring, uh, all the good plays, everything. It was It was as if I saw the whole game,
0: but just condensed to 10 minutes, which is really, really nice. Yeah. Anything like that is always kind of nice whenever, you know, how busy life is sometimes. We're all busy. Yeah. Yeah. You can't catch things live. Okay. The guy, Cade Cunningham, played very well. One MVP. What did you think about his performance on Friday night? All right. So let me just preface by
2: saying that this is All-Star weekend, so you're not going to get... Uh, the, I guess the authentic version of just about anybody who's going to play—they're going to be having more fun. They're going to be letting you know shots fly. They're going to be trying different things. They're just going to be doing a little bit more than than what they normally do, and and that's fine because it's it's a it's a showcase. It's an exhibition, right? Um, and you know, I saw some guys on Twitter. Some of our, you know, for lack of a better word, some of our nerds on Twitter complaining. Oh, why are why is Beef Stew and Precious Achua playing together? That doesn't make sense. How does that lineup even work, bro? it's the rising stars game. You can't like, you just can't read too much into it. Right. But with that said, I really feel like nobody impressed me more than Cade because that dude has poise. And he, he, he didn't necessarily look to score the basketball every time, which is what I liked. He tried to get everybody else involved. And then when the time came when the lights were on, the game was, you know, closing, he made a huge impact. Um, He made some big shots. He made some big passes, played good defense. Like, I mean, he, he did everything you'd want your number one overall prick to do in a Rising Stars format. And to be honest, he looked better than the other 2020 counterparts.
0: So uh, Tim Forkin, and I'm wholeheartedly stealing this tweet from him, but he tweeted out today, it, it, there is something telling about the fact, because this happens in the All-Star games too, but he was the man at Mount Verde. You know, he was the man at Oklahoma State as a rookie in Detroit, he's them, and I realize the Pistons aren't very good. I understand it. I get all that. I I understand it. But then, even in this game, with a lot of other really talented players, some sophomores in the league that are really talented, his team deferred to him. I think my point, Sham, is I think it speaks to something a lot of us have talked about: is like he just has that kind of it, it factor. Like he's that guy. He's that. He is that guy. You and can't teach that no and it just continues to show up in every facet of the game and I, like you said it is an exhibition game it's a showcase but it still matters cuz some people defer to other people's and some people get the limelight and we saw Cade get the limelight from his team and 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 the one thing i really liked about it is you could
2: see the the confidence just build as that rising stars went on as the game progressed and I really do feel like and maybe I could be totally wrong about this, but I feel like that kind of confidence you get at that kind of stage with all that the national media attention with all your peers who are in the same class or the class, you know, uh, of of last year with all the all stars looking on. That's a lot of pressure. Right. And the fact that he stepped up and was that guy in that game, that just gives me all the confidence. And I bet he has all the confidence going into the rest of the season, too.
0: Yeah. And. You know, like we say here and say, it's an exhibition game. It's a showcase. You bring up a good point. It's not like there's zero pressure to perform. Like we've seen guys not shoot well in the three-point competition. We've seen guys not shoot well in the Rising Stars Challenge. Like it's not like there's zero pressure, especially your first time. I mean, I'm sure LeBron and Steph weren't feeling a whole lot of pressure, you know, in their how many ever appearances. But Cade Cunningham, number one pick, all the the eyes on him. And, And again, I just think it's another example of who he is as a player. I want to ask about maybe a, a non-Pistons player. Were there, was there anybody else, any other young players in this game? I guess they were all young players. Any other players that you were like, huh, like, uh, that was nice to see that guy. I didn't know he was like that. Were there, were there anybody that stood out to you? So I'm gonna. So I just want to just make
2: one more comment about Cade, then I'll go into this next piece. But Cade, if you think about it, he plays for the Pistons, right? How many Pistons games are in the national, you uh, know, national market?
0: One one, one, one ESPN
2: game. So who who has really seen Cade? I mean, they've seen highlights, they've seen boxers, whatever. But the the casual NBA fan, have they ever really seen Cade play outside of that Rising Stars game? Probably not, right? And so now the national media, national spotlight is has. I mean, he's arrived. He's here. He's that guy. Um, but going back to your question, what what young players stood out? Um, I'm going to call on two Toronto Raptors, one for a good reason, one for a bad reason. Uh, the Let's start with the bad one. Scotty Barnes, he just looked – I I don't know what his issue was. Maybe he enjoyed that Cleveland nightlife the night before. I don't know. But he was having a bad weekend just in just about every, just about every um, event that he was in was just looking pretty bad, to be honest. But um, – I got a chance, so I live in Minneapolis, and I got a chance to go to the Wolves-Raptors game on Wednesday. And so I saw Scotty Barnes, I saw Precious Chouya, and I didn't know Precious was like that. Um, Precious had an awesome game on Wednesday, um, and then he came into the All-Star break in the Rising Stars game, and he just looked really good. Like Looked like he made a difference every single time he he, he touched the court. Um, He didn't try and do too much, but he was always in the right place at the right time, making the right plays, and I think that... Is really important for a young player to do, and that's actually kind of difficult, especially in that kind of format. Look at guys like Jalen Green doing too much, and now they go one for nine in the dunk contest. You know, like it's it's really hard to do it with, with with all the lights on you.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess in to, to defend Scotty Barnes just a little bit, that, that may not be a game that really fits what he does. No, no, best. no, no of course he's, not. Yeah. he's not a huge skill level oh. guy. I, I will say the guy I was most impressed by, or I don't even want to say it, was Dyson Daniels. Okay, so G, G League Ignite guy. As I'm starting to do more and more NBA draft stuff, Um, honestly, for the, the upcoming podcast, a little bit more even than the Motor City Hoops podcast, but for the Pistons Pulse with Omari, we're going to, we're going to start diving into some draft stuff right away on that. And he's a guy I've heard a lot about, his defense, all that, but I just kind of liked his game. I, I, I'm really intrigued by Dyson Daniels. And that's what I thought was cool about that game as well was we were able to see him, Jalen Hardy, Marshawn Beauchamp, like those guys it's not as easy to get your eyes on them as some of the other players. So I walked away feeling like, I was like, okay, here's a little bit of a look at Dyson Daniels. And I I continue to like what I see in here.
2: Yeah, no, I, so actually he was my, so in the next question, we're going to peek behind the curtain. Motor City was behind the curtain. Um, So the next question we had queued up was who, which team was the most fun to watch? And actually the reason why I chose team Barry was because of Dyson Daniels. That guy just seemed like he belonged. He seemed confident. He scored the ball well. He just seemed like he belonged with everybody on the court, which I I'm not really sure. I'm not a big draft guy, so I don't know where he falls in the in the grand scheme of the draft and whatever, but I would imagine his stock is rising after that game.
0: It is, because you know, a lot was on Jalen Hardy, who yep. was like a lottery pick to start the season. And now, like, like you're talking into the first round for Jalen Hardy, which I mean, if he's gonna fall there, then I think you want to get in on him. Dyson Daniels is like maybe into the lottery right now. Like I feel like there's a lot of dudes you're just not sure about not to get too much into the weeds of this, but I think you have about eight or nine, 10 guys that are going to be there. And then the rest are like, they could be into the, they could fill out the lottery or they could end up in the end of the first round. Like he's one of, he's definitely that next tier after you get through the top seven or eight guys, obviously the top ones. And then you're looking at, um, Oh shoot! I'm drawing a blank. The kid from Wisconsin, Johnny Davis, and uh, Ben uh, Matherin, Jalen Duran, those type of guys seem pretty solidified in the top ten. So he's he's definitely gaining some steam as the best player on that G League Ignite, or the most the the, the one that's going to get picked first off that team.
2: Sure. And and actually to that point, you know, as, as fun as this format was, the one thing I would change about it is maybe have a team full of G League players. Because it seemed like they're I mean, especially after this year, we see that they almost all, I mean, every single one of them seemed like they belong. So, I mean, Dyson Daniel stood out amongst the, you know, amongst the group, but every single one of them made a player, was in the right spot. They didn't seem like they were, you know, a boy amongst men, right? Um, and that makes me think, hey, why isn't, you know, next year uh, have a G League team and have them go against up guys like, you know, Kate or, or LaMelo or whoever else will be in there next year. You know, like it seems to me like they're ready. The, the Ignite uh, development team is working. Uh, so why not showcase them? And how many how many people who watched the All-Star festivities over the weekend knew who Dyson Daniels even Probably was? Probably not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it it like to your point, it's just more exposure for that. So I think I think that's a great idea. Let let's move along now to Saturday night, and you had the skills challenge, you had the three point contest, you had the dunk contest. Uh, start where you wish on this one, Sham, because I know there's some pretty strong opinions about at least one of these events. Let's uh, let's get the negative out of the way. Let's get the the diarrhea fest of
2: uh, a skills challenge out of the way. That was just. Why, I mean I just I didn't understand why they did it I mean it, the the whole format was hella confusing um, just to understand how people scored points and why they scored points and and why they were shooting from different spots I mean I, I had a couple alcoholic drinks that night too so maybe I was just the one that was confused but um, I just I just didn't like the format it wasn't easy to follow and just the 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 people that they chose I understood why they why they chose like the uh, Antacun bros. Uh, I understand why they chose the 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 calves tree. I understand why they chose the rooks, but like, um, it's a shooting. I mean, one of the whole it was like a shooting challenge, a passing challenge. And are the is is Giannis and his brother is really known for any of those things? Right? Like, yeah, let's make the best player in in the league perform in a competition where he has to showcase his worst talent. Oh, and let's have his other brothers who are worse at him, worse worse than him at all those things, including shooting. Let's let's have them be on a national stage just because they're brothers. I just I just didn't
0: I didn't didn't get it. I feel like there probably could have been more creative ways to form trios outside of what they did. Um, The three point contest and and I will be complete transparency for our listeners. This is the one I did not catch very much of. Um, I you missed did a good see, one. I know. I'm so I, the, probably the thing that was the best is the, what I missed because I saw all the dunk contests and then I saw enough of the skills challenge, but so maybe you can give me your thoughts on the three point contest. Cause truly all I really know is that Carl Anthony towns won, which is really cool. Yeah. So just in general, it was classic. I mean, it was, it was the standard three point contest.
2: I love that they have the, the money ball rack now. Um, As opposed to having just one money ball in each thing, I love the do like the the longer three point for the do. I love the whole thing, right? Um, It was actually funny. Like I said before, I was at the Wolves Raptors game. I was with one of my buddies, and and it it was announced at the beginning of the game that you know as a reminder, Cat is going to be in the three point contest in addition to the uh to the all-star game and my buddy, you know, shout out to Taylor. He like leans over to me he's like, I think he's gonna win the three point contest. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, man. I'd like I there's like tons of guys I like more than him, right? Zach Levine, you know, even I like Luke Kennard because we I mean how many how many games have we seen of Luke Kennard his entire career where he's just been lighting it up from three, right? And that guy seems like he has a, a robot shot. So I was like, yeah, maybe Luke Kennard. I don't know. He's like, no nah, dude, just trust me. cat Set shot is just like it's butter every single time. I was like, oh, okay, oh. and I started watching, it and I'm like, oh crap! Like, it is literally just the same every time. He barely jumps set shot, and it's just I, I, I could see why he won. And I mean, shout out to Taylor for he actually made some money on it because he put some money where his mouth was. But yeah, it was a it, it was a fun event. Definitely the best event of the weekend, I think.
0: Aside from the Rising Stars game, that was the best event of the weekend. What was not the best event of the weekend was the dunk contest. And and again, I. I actually got to see all of this and it's just it's almost cringeworthy for me sham and and I understand and everything's been done before like I I don't even blame the players and I don't have an answer so like I hate to be the guy that's like oh they should just get rid of it and replace it or they should do like I don't know what the answer is to make it better but they're trying to do such crazy things that then they can't do it by the time they do it the fifth time it's not as exciting I don't know I thought it was a dud this year and I don't know what the answer is to fix it. Did, did you have any better feelings about it? I guess
2: no. It was horrible, but I actually do have an answer to fix it. Okay. Um. So I mean, there's 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 two things. So the first is you can get rid of it altogether because I don't think like it doesn't it doesn't add anything to the weekend anymore because I think we peaked in 2016 with the Gordon and the uh, Levine dunk contest. I don't think it adds much. Um. I don't really want to see like. Ob top, like, I don't want to see these like young, like unproven guys like run up to the hoop ten times and miss, you know, eight of them. I, I just, I just, it doesn't add anything to the to the whole show. Um, but I think there are so many good amateur dunkers right now out there. I mean, you look on if you look at overtime, you look at you know how the highlights. There's tons of people just non, they're, they're not in the NBA, they're not in the G League, whatever. But they are. I mean, they're they're talented dunkers. Why not have five of them come and play? right? That would be way more fun to, for me. And the, the degree of difficulty would be that much higher if they just brought in people from outside the NBA, which sounds horrible, but that's just the way it is.
0: Yeah. Cause th- that's what those guys do. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's what they're trained for that. Yes. No, I, I think it would be exciting to watch. Like, obviously you wouldn't have the name recognition, but you could find creative ways to include NBA guys in some capacity. Um, have them throw lobs or something, you know. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. They could be part of the, the passing and all of that. So, last question, and then I do want to move on to like some current Detroit Pistons roster, those type of things, looking forward through the next the rest of the season. The All Star game in general. Team LeBron won. LeBron hit a, a fadeaway like Classic. Dirk. Yeah, Dirk looking shot. Um, it was an Elam ending, as you guys probably know, for the All Star game. I thought it was. Kind of tough to watch until Steph Curry just started going bananas, which he absolutely was must-see. And then it got competitive. You alluded to this earlier. I do think they could play just a little bit harder. And I'm not asking them to go crazy but just play a little bit harder because then it makes all the stuff look that much more impressive. When they literally don't match up, they just let them go through the lane like the first two quarters, it's really hard to watch. I would like to see him just, just a little bit more. I'm not saying go for blocks. I'm not saying you got to try to take a charge, but just a little bit. It was exciting in the second half, like I said, because of Steph and because of the Elam ending with, with Team LeBron, it was close. What were your overall takeaways on the All-Star game?
2: I completely agree with everything you said. I actually felt as I was watching the game, I felt like they should just adapt the Rising Stars um uh, <laughs> That would like, be fun. Yeah, like like wouldn't it be fun to have like instead of one, you know, two captains have four captains and now you draft a team like that. And now those four teams, they play a little tournament up to 50 or up to 25 whatever. That would be a lot more fun and I think it would be a lot more engaging for the players too because as opposed to just scoring at, at will, they're scoring to a certain um, you know, a, a, like a target and it's it's you know you you have to score that 50 to move on like it just becomes more competitive more fun to watch i mean at the end of the day it is a circus right it's the globe trotters with your current nba players but there's ways to make it a little bit more fun
0: absolutely i agree i will give the nba credit for this i'm not saying they always make the right decision i'm not like you you've outlined some things you don't necessarily like they're at least trying like yes. you know this whole all-star festivities has completely changed you know, I'm 35. So since I was a kid, you know, you talked about the money ball rack in the three-point competition, the rising stars. I don't even know that they had it back whenever I was a kid. Rookie sophomores. Yeah. And so it's, it's just morphed um, every year into what it is now. So I do at least want to give the NBA credit for that. They're trying to do new things. Again, I'm not saying they're all the right decisions, but they're trying to make it more and more exciting. Let's end All-Star Weekend there. It was it was overall some ups, some downs. I enjoyed watching it. I was on the road the whole time. I still tuned in. I still enjoyed it. Let's get to our Detroit Pistons here. We got about 15, 20 minutes before we do the perfectly named Sheet or Sham with our guest, Sham. So the Detroit Pistons were not involved in the buyout market, at least so far. It's kind of a twofold question, Sham. Should they be? There's some young guys out there like Moses Brown and KZ Okpala. KZ but there's an open roster spot in general. So I guess my actual question is, what do you think they should or what do you think they will do with that open roster spot from the trade at the deadline for Marvin Bagley III? So um, let me start by saying what they should do.
2: They should, um, in my opinion, convert one of the two-way guys and then have somebody else become a two-way guy. Um, That's the way I think they should do it. Um, what I what I don't want them to do is just sign Moses Brown or Casey Okpala or whoever else just because they have the open spot. Um, because honestly, that means they're going to be taking away minutes from people who are currently on the team. And I think that everyone on the team right now is better than both those guys. Um and none of the, and those guys don't don't they they don't do uh one of two things. They they don't address an immediate need. Neither one of them is a lob threat. I know Moses Brown's a big man, but like he's not like He's not that guy who can like go catch lobs for you. Um, and two, they're not like oozing with potential. If they were oozing with potential, they wouldn't have gotten cut in the first place. Um, so I would just rather just 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 throw it to one of the two-way guys, let the organization just continue the churn of, you know, keeping it in the house and everything. But I do have, and I'm not sure if there's like a, like a breaking news, like, you know, siren you can edit in afterwards, but... Um, sham sources have telling me, and I have no history as a credible insider, but sham sources are telling me that the Pistons are actually going to wait, which is I think everyone kind of figured, right? But they want to see how the league shakes out. So today we saw that Goran Dragic got signed. Um they're they're kind of seeing where everybody else kind of just falls into place and who like today we saw, you know, Goran Dragic got got signed, but then Javon Carter became available. Now, so you don't know who's really gonna come available, who's gonna come freeze. They're kinda waiting for the chips to fall before they make a decision, which I think is really smart. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my hot take. Or that's my sham source and my hot take.
0: No, I love it. And I think that's I'm with you. I think that's really smart you know, let it, let's see how, let's see how it shakes out. You know, maybe the next dominoes, Javon Carter, you know, signs with somebody and then another guy get, you know, and if none of the dominoes fall to where there's a guy you're like, okay, that's, that's a guy that can really fit with this roster beyond this year. Or we want to get a look at this guy to decide whether he can, you know, be part of this roster beyond this year. Then like you say, bring up one of the two way guys and, you know, just, just do that thing, keep it in house. And I agree with you. Um, I think it's exciting, right? As fans is exciting. Even, even as a content creator, Sham, like, okay, they signed Moses Brown, bam, I have somebody to go do film research on and write an article yep, for exactly. Bad Boys. And so it gets exciting in that way. But even I've argued like at a certain point, it almost feels like you're just recycling players. And I know that's part of it because you want to get your hands on them, see them with your own eyes in person. But sometimes it it just becomes redundant to do that. So I I love it. I love hearing that, that maybe they're just going to wait it out and see. I'm going to skip the outline around just a little bit if you're following right along. Let's move to the aforementioned Marvin Bagley III. We've seen him in two games now here before the All-Star break. First, Sham, what were your thoughts on the trade? Second, what have you seen so far from Marvin Bagley III that you like, don't like, already knew? Um, so I guess first of all, just the trade in general, I think everybody
2: and their mother saw that coming. <laughs> um, I mean, it just, it just made the most sense. You know, Troy Weaver has been going after those like reclamation projects and Marvin Baglett's one of them. And, um, I, I, I hope he works out. I, I, I think he was dealt a bad hand. Um, now he didn't do himself many favors at the Kings either, but it just, that, that organization is just. Bad. Like, I'm not sure how else to put it. They're just they don't do a good job of developing. They don't win. Like, what do they do right? Um. So, anyways, but I I think it was hella important just to get a big man on this team. Man, we needed somebody just to be a vertical threat at the rim, just to sit in that dunker spot, just to grab rebounds. I mean, I love Isaiah Stewart, but I think we've seen like as as Isaiah Stewart starts to uptick in minutes, his production starts to go a little bit down. And he needed some help. I mean, our, our big man rotation was Kelly Olenek, who looks, I mean, 55 years old. Um, and then it's it was, that's pretty much it. I mean, who else do we have? Really nobody. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it met a position of need. He is a lob threat. Now, I don't think he's the lob threat that I would like. But because there was a, such a void of it before that anything, anything we can get, we're, we're happy with right now um and i think the most important trait is just that like he can catch lobs he has that vertical threat pick and roll ability um and actually the most interesting thing about bagley and the way he's playing is not necessarily bagley but how good he looks next to cade and if cade had a better pick and roll partner than bagley imagine how good both of them would look you know um so that's that's kind of my take on it i I would be shocked if he is like a uh, a huge part of this team going forward, but I think he does check a lot of boxes and he does things better than what the previous big men have done, which I think is not saying that much, but here we are.
0: So you alluded to it just a little bit there. Do you think, do you think there's any chance he is not on the Detroit Pistons at the start of the 2022 season? I think it'll all depend
2: on just like the way the finances shake out and who like who becomes available, like what the, what the, the rumor mill is at the time of the draft, you know? Um, he is, I think he's on a, he makes seven million on his RFA. Um, I'm sure they'll throw him the qualifying offer. if Somebody wants to, ma- uh, you know, match it, whatever. But seven million isn't really all that much to eat for next year either. So it wouldn't be the worst thing. But say like now some really good big man comes available or say Deion Drayton finally decides he wants to be Detroit Piston. We throw a bag at him. And he comes. Now, you, then you have to think about, okay, well, he's going to eat into Stu's minutes, and he's going to eat into Aiton's minutes. So, is he really worth having on the roster for $7 million?
0: No, I think that's a really good point. And for our listeners, if you haven't listened to the episode with Keith Smith from last week, he did an amazing job of breaking down the whole contract situation of Marvin Bagley III, and the cap hold, and the qualifying offer, and all those types of things. So if you want to get into the weeds on that, we're not going through this episode, but if you do, Keith Smith is, there's no better NBA cap guy than him, and that's why we have him on the podcast. He did a really good job kind of explaining that whole situation, and the Pistons cap situation going into the offseason as a whole. So, I, I want to stay on the big man thing here for just a second, and then I, I'm gonna ask you about Sadiq Bey. You talked about Isaiah Stewart. You brought up the DeAndre Ayton thing. We've talked about Marvin Bagley the third. I don't think Kelly Olenek obviously is a long-term solution. I, I will admit that he's the not even a short-term solution. Well, hey, but the game he finally played well is the game that they shockingly won right before the break um, over the Celtics, but he did not look very good. His revenge uh, game. Yeah, it was his revenge game. How do you how would you like to see? that post position that big guy position shake out this summer like is it Isaiah Stewart gets replaced and uh, you know with somebody like DeAndre Ayton is it only if it's DeAndre Ayton is there somebody in, even below that who you like no we still need to upgrade and move Isaiah Stewart to like the first guy off the bench how would you kind of like to see that shake out going into the off season
2: I just think like Isaiah Stewart is really really fun he works really hard he He's in the right spots at the right time, but I think his physical limitations are just starting to get exposed, especially as he starts to play more minutes. Um, and I, I just don't see him as a starter yet. Um, and, I, and I think for him to be a, a, a solid starter next to Kate, I, I really do think he needs to be able to shoot, and I think he needs to be more of a, a lob threat. Um, I just I don't see him being really good at either right now. Um, so then it, you know brings to the next point. Where do you find that then? Um, obviously, DeAndre Ayton would be a, a fantastic addition. But it seems to me like he just if, – if he is thrown a bag by us, I imagine Portland's also thrown him a bag. And honestly, I imagine Port- Phoenix is also going to pay him. So I just – I find the odds of him being on our team very low. But you never know. Um, but I, I do think we can find this guy in the draft. Now, whether it be a top five pick, that's a different story. But I think – I don't think you need like a superstar at the big position. I think you just need a guy that fits a little bit better with Cade. And I think the way you find that is just a guy you can just – Cade can just throw it up and you can go and get it above the rim. Essentially a guy who jumps as high as as Hami Diallo does, but is 6'10 or 6'11", you know?
0: No, I agree with that. I don't think it has to be what you would consider like a star or the third option or the second option. Just a guy that does that. A guy that catches lob, a guy that protects the rim um, to take a little pressure off the perimeter defense. And I agree with you on Stewart. I think he has to get better at one of two, whether it's the shooting or the lob threat. I don't think the lob threat's ever going to happen. So it's kind of got to be the shooting. I did do an article for Detroit Pad Boys right before the All-Star break, kind of breaking down some other kind of nuanced ways he can, you know, help the offense but that probably still doesn't make him a starter for a team that hopefully in two three four years is a playoff team I want to transition to Sadiq Bey he's been playing really well you know it's almost like 20 a night from him the three-point shooting has gotten better obviously we all know he didn't start off the year well it's been talked about you know what did he spend his offseason on how was he trying to get his shots I don't want to get into that quite as much him I want to. Where do you think Sadiq Bay? We're kind of talking about number two options, number three options. You know, you're saying like your center doesn't necessarily have to be one of your star players. Where do you think Sadiq Bey's ceiling is? Like, do you think he can be the number two option behind Cade? Is he a number three? Is he a number four? What do you kind of think his future is in terms of role? So I, I mean, I think right now he's starting to figure out. So like,
2: one of the things that people will look at who don't watch the Pistons will see. Oh, Sadiq Bey's numbers are down this year. Well, why is that? It's because he's he's trying more things on offense than he did last year. Last year he just shot the ball and he shot it really well. And this year he's kind of doing more. He's shooting the ball well, but also he's taking it to the hoop more. He's doing more off the dribble stuff. Like he's he's starting to develop his offensive repertoire per se. Um, and so I I don't ever really seeing him be a it's se- a, a second option, especially next to Cade. I would love to see that second option be a guy who can just get buckets from that two position um but i i do think sadiq bay can be an awesome tertiary scorer i i think he can be that guy who just knocks down threes at a 40 percent plus clip um he plays defense really well he essentially just plays his role better than he is now um and i i think his efficiency in general just needs to get better and now granted he is doing more offensively than he did last year but you know when when kate is on the court his shooting splits are Thirty-eight point seven field goal percentage, thirty-five point four from three, and eighty-six point six from the free throw line. So, I mean, those first two numbers just have to get better. Just he has to be more efficient with the ball, especially if Cade's gonna be feeding him. And Cade, at least from we like from we've seen the entire year, and especially so in the Rising Stars game, he is gonna try and find his teammates always. Um, and I I just feel like he's he has some work to do, but I I, I really do think he could be that third guy, the third you know, three or four that comes in and plays good defense and just shoots the piss out of the ball.
0: No, I agree. And so you brought up the Cade thing, having just a bucket getter. That's, you took the words out of my mouth there, Sham. That's, we're in lockstep on that. So I want to ask you this question as we've talked a little bit about the offseason. Is there a way the Pistons can get that guy? Do you see that guy available, whether it's via the draft or free agency? Like, do you think that's going to happen this offseason? Are we still a couple of years away from putting that guy next to Cade?
2: I think it all depends on where the chips fall, or I guess where the ping pong balls fall this summer, right? If the Pistons get, say, the fifth pick, right? Now, likely all those top big men are gone, but who's left? Now it's, you know, Jaden Ivey. It's the guys who are at the two position, three position that can just get buckets. That's why, I mean, I, I see a lot of draft articles, especially like, you know, when there's that lull in between, you know, the like the trade deadline and the all-star break, whatever. There's a little laws. People just start trying to put content together, and you'll see more of it. But Pistons Twitter just loves these three big men. They think the world will end if you don't get one of those three big men. But I'm here to tell you that I think that the Pistons have so many holes. It doesn't really matter who they get. It's going to address a position of
0: need. I I agree with you. And just to tease a little bit of the first episode of the Pistons Pulse with Amari, I have those three guys in Tier 1, but tier two, like you're saying, is backcourt guys or wing guys, and they're pretty good as well. And then you get into tier three, and you got a couple more of those type of guys. So I think there's some solid players um, that that can fill, like you say, a, a hole. The, the Pistons roster? Cause to me, I don't, here's this question. Then I think Sadiq and Cade are the only starters on this roster right now. Jeremy Grant is obviously an NBA starter, but I'm working under the assumption he's going to get traded in the off season. So would you agree that really Cade and Sadiq are the only guys you would really pencil in as starters? If you take Jeremy Grant out of the equation?
2: I I, I mean, honestly, if it's between you and I, I don't even know if Sadiq Bay is safe, but I think Cade for sure is safe. Um But I mean, if Sadiq Bey can net you some superstar player, then you'd have to... I mean, he's not untouchable, certainly. But you don't know. I mean, I, I just... From, from here, from this vantage point, I don't know who's going to be available or what's going to happen. There's so many you know, variables in play. If you would have asked me two years ago, I wouldn't have even known Ben Simmons would have been available. And now here he is in a different team. Same with James Harden. You just never know when these guys come available and guys like Sadiq Bey can be thrown into a trade.
0: And you, then you get a massive upgrade at some position. Okay. So no, I agree with that a hundred percent, but I'm saying like, do you see, let's just say that doesn't happen. Like, do you see Sadiq Bey as a solid NBA starter for the Pistons over the next three, four, five years? Yeah, certainly. Okay. okay. All right. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is like I see Stuart more as a guy that comes off the bench. I see Killian Hayes oh, more more of a guy that comes off the bench. And the only reason I never include Jeremy Grant when I say that is because I we've just heard more reports that Jeremy Grant is going to get traded. Obviously, so all right, let's transition from the Pistons basketball. Um, court to shams basketball court. So this question came from on Twitter. Somebody had tweeted out, what's the most points you've ever scored in an organized game? And I just quote tweeted and said, Hey, I would love to hear your guys' answers on this. And, I, and we got a ton of responses and I loved it. And I truly did. I tried to respond to every one of you. Um, I know that gets probably annoying for the other followers. So I apologize for th- to them, but. I just I want to make sure you guys know that I see it, and I appreciate it, and I love it, and I love seeing it. Sham said he once scored 18 of 21 points in a pickup game, and I believe this was in Miami. So I'm going to give Sham a chance, and he's told me to temper my expectations, but I, I want to give Sham a chance to drop some names of who he was playing against in this particular game or some other runs down there in Miami. All
2: right, so let me start off by saying, so I went to the university of Miami and my Miami hurricane. Um, and there's this beautiful gym that actually the rock of all people built, um, and has like multiple courts. It's beautiful. Right. And so I, I'm not a big fan of running. So basketball was my cardio and that's kind of how I like grew into the game and got better at it. I never played organized basketball. Um, I was just a, a you know, like a, a casual fan. I started to write, started to you know play pickup. I started to get more into it. And that's kind of where I like how, how I ended up here today. Um, so at the wellness center, which is the gym, I, uh, I would just, I would, I'll go up there, get my cardio in, find five guys or, you know, find five more guys and we just play. Right. And there was in my, my game, I'm, I'm only five, five. And so I have, I'm very limited in terms of my skill set. I'm not going to be in the post, not going to be catching lobs. Not, I'm, I might be dunking on people. It's fine. But the one thing I do really well is I'm an athlete and I can shoot or at least back then I could shoot. I don't know if I could shoot anymore, but back then I could shoot. So, and because I'm only five, five, I'm not really shooting inside the arc. I'm shooting from three. <laughs> so my game that I scored 18 of my 21 or 18 of the team's 21 was a five on five full court game. And the dude I was playing against, I think kind of disrespected me. He, I mean, he sees I on five, five. I don't look all that, you know, don't look like a Hooper, you know, as some people may say, but I, uh, you know, I just, I just went up there and first, first possession came up their shots, sw- what, you know, made it. And since then he, d- he just didn't, every single time I made a bucket, he tried a little bit hard, like just tried harder each and every time. But then I started to catch fire. Right? And, and I, you know, Bryce, you're a shooter too. I mean, you know, once you see two or three go in the net, it's, then it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if you have two or three guys in front of you. Right. And especially if you're starting to get screens from your teammates. Oh man. It's like, it's bucket city. And it's just funny because it, it my my bucket getting was just strictly only for that game. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure the game I played after that, I was like horrible. I think I left after that. But I was like, oh man, I, sh- I, sh- I should have left on my 18 points. But yeah, I, I think I hit like four or five threes. I got a couple buckets at the hoop because they, they closed out too hard. But yeah, I scored 18 of the 21 points. Um, yeah, and at, at the Wellness Center. And then... In a separate game, you know this is so. I, I I would stay back in Miami for the summers, and in the summers you'd see basketball players from both the Miami Hurricanes team and the you know the Miami Heat would come in and out of the of the gym. The Miami Heat would generally stay in the in the like uh, in the stadiums practice facility, like the, the actual like basketball team's practice like practice facility. But occasionally they would come up and run with you know us casuals. And so I got a chance to play pickup with Bruce Brown, okay, Davon Reed, who I, I is now I think he's on the, on the Nuggets, right? Um, and then I also got a chance to play with Eric, Lark- uh, sorry, Shane Larkin, okay. and Eric Swoop, who he was on the Hurricanes basketball team, but I think he ended up playing in the NFL. I think he's in the Colts. Um, not all at once; these are all different games, but um yeah like they would just come up and like you know one or two of them at a time they'd come up and they'd hoop with us and they'd just absolutely destroy us and they wouldn't even try um they catch they catch lobs over us like fast break dunks like no one in that gym is is that athletic um but i will say the most famous person to ever come up to that gym he didn't play but he just kind of walked around it's like just saw what was going on dwayne wade oh shit yeah, he just was walking. He just kind of like just did one of those, like, head up in the air, check out the competition, and then he left, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure he went to the actual practice facility. But, yeah, it was just cool to see, like, all these, like – I mean, at the time, like, Bruce Brown, Davon Reed, Shane Larkin, these are all dudes that just were on the college team, right? But now, like, looking back 10 years – that was oh, – shit, that was 10 years ago. Um, yeah, now they're, like, official basketball players, NBA players, Bruce Brown was on the Pistons. Like, it's just it's just really cool to see.
0: Yeah, so Devon Reed is on – he has one of the Nuggets two-way contracts. So yep. you were right about that. And Eric Swoop is – He must be out of the league now. Uh, signed by the Indianapolis Colts after the 2014 NFL draft as an undrafted free agent. So yep. it looks like he was one of those college basketball players yep. that tried to go play tight end. Um, yep, exactly. In, in the NFL. <laughs> not not No offense to him. Like Obviously, an uh, incredible athlete. But not quite as successful as some of the other guys that that we've seen do it. And Shane Larkin
2: um, was a first round pick, wasn't Shane he? Shane
0: Larkin was really good. Like yeah. uh, I mean, I, I remember like obviously watching him play and stuff. So um that is that is really cool. That's really yeah. cool. I'm glad it was super cool. I'm glad you shared that with us and you know we stumbled across that um, before we recorded. I mean, I'm no Bryce Simon, but you know. <laughs> no, that that is not that is not true at all. All right. Perfect time to bring in Wes. So we have ten minutes. Sham. Wes is going to come in, and we're going to change the rules of the game just a little bit in honor of Sham. And Thank we're you. gonna we're gonna play some Sham or Sheed for the last ten minutes to close out this episode.
3: Yeah. And so Sham's going to be true, just you know, for the the honorary guest today. Um, so we'll start off with the Cavs. They're the first game. Uh, Pistons coming back. So again, Sham true, Sheed false. So Sham or Sheed, I'll ask you first, Sham. Uh, Jared Allen is taking more shots per game than Kevin Love.
2: Uh, Definitely Sham, because I feel like he's just going to get more playing time than Kevin Love.
0: I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to say Sham as well. It is Sheed, so it's false.
3: Yeah, so uh, Jared Allen is at 9.9, Kevin Love at 10.7. Oh, he's just letting it fly, huh? Yeah, yeah, he is. But Jared Allen's uh, 16
0: points a game. Kevin Love, 14. Interesting. I, I wonder – I need to look up there. While you read this next one, I want to look – are we staying on the Cavs, Wes? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look up minutes per game because this is yeah, – really I was just going to
2: say, what's the per 36?
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look up minutes per game. So you go You – let's go ahead with the next one um, while I look this up, and then yeah, I'll give gotcha, it up.
3: Gotcha. Okay, so we'll go uh, Sham you first again. So Sham or <laughs> Sheed, Evan Mobley averages more blocks per game than Jarrett Allen
2: hmm I'm gonna go sham just because I feel like you're trying to trick us
0: I I love when guests do this Wes we talk about Wes and I talk about this all the time when guests start trying to play this game of Um. (laughs) like trying to read into the question I'm gonna say she that is false so it's sham. It's true. Boom. Gosh dang yeah, it. Yeah, it's close though. Uh, so Mobley's got
3: 1.6 and then Allen's second 1.3. Uh, Mobley actually also has more steals per game than Jared Allen.
2: Interesting. Yeah, he has. he's pretty active with his hands. But what's, what's interesting to me is not necessarily that Mobley has more blocks than Jared Allen, but the fact that Jared Allen only has, what, 1.3 blocks per game? Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Okay, so real quick, Kevin Love is is averaging 22 minutes a game he has played in they have played in the same amount of games 50 games kevin loves played in 50 games this year wow and his, good and for his, him and he's averaging 14 points a game and seven rebounds like having Big a cook, man of the year it's having a sneak <laughs> having a sneaky nice season um he plays 22 minutes a game jared allen only plays 30, or or plays 32 so in 10 more minutes a game for jared allen interesting and how close was it read read the field goal attempts again Oh, the field goal attempts. Uh, yeah, so it was 9.9 for Allen and 10.7 for Love. So he's getting so one, one more shot. Oh, oh, in 10 less minutes a game, though. So he, like, as you alluded to, Sham, he is getting in and he is getting shots up. He's uh, letting it fly.
2: <laughs> Karis LeVert
0: may, uh, may it'll be interesting to see if those go down as, as Karis LeVert yeah. gets some of those minutes there. Interesting. Um, not his minutes, but minutes with the second unit some. So, all right, we are Sham one, Bryce zero. All right, we're going to jump on to the Celtics. Uh, Bryce, I'll ask you first.
3: So, Sham or Sheed, Al Horford is averaging a career-low field goal percentage uh, so far this year.
2: Sham. Hmm. Wait, are you, are you are you asking me
0: or is you, that your answer? <laughs> that was, no, that was my answer. Sham, true. Oh, gotcha.
2: <laughs> hmm. He's averaging – so can you repeat the question one more time? He's averaging
0: –
3: a career low field goal percentage. I'll honestly. just
0: tell you this, Sham. He is That's really That's gotta be true. He's really good about like 0. 0.1 difference. So Yeah, right, exactly.
2: It's a, yeah, he's averaging 0.01 less field goal. Yeah, no. Um yeah, I, I gotta say Sham as well because there's just too many bucket getters in that team for him to get shots up
3: yeah it's sham it's true it's not 0.1 it's a half percentage point lower than his (laughs) previous
0: (laughs) oh man he loves he loves doing this i love it all right it is and i'm used to losing anyway so this isn't anything surprising i've lost i'm I'm below 500 we'll say that um since we started doing or sham so two to one next question wes all right, we're gonna go over to Grant Williams,
3: uh, Sham. I'll ask you first. So, Sham or Sheed? Grant Williams will become a member of the 50-40-90 club if he continues his current averages the rest of this year. Hmm.
2: Is he the the one that I'm questioning? Is the feel, is the free throw percentage?
0: I'm the same way. That's the only one I'm questioning. Also, I'm gonna go Sheed because I I feel like he's like a 75% free throw shooter. I'm gonna go Sham.
3: Alright, it is she, but it is is very close. So he's forty nine percent from the floor. Oh. he's, oh, he's got over way. on the three pointers, right? Yeah, he's at forty four point six. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and his free throw percentage is eighty-nine
2: point eight. Wow. That's nuts. I never expected to be
3: that high.
0: So he's what what'd you say? One percentage off on field goal and point two on free throw? Yep, that's it. Honestly, he may get there. That's insane. What if, he, what if Grant Williams is a member of the 50-40-90 club? That would be – That's that, crazy. That would be insane. I mean, either
2: way, Boston's not winning the chip, so <laughs>
0: it doesn't really matter. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay, Sham three, Bryce one. How many questions you got left, Wes? I got two and a tiebreaker if we need it. So I need, okay. them, I need them both.
3: All right, well, I'll go you first then. So we're going to talk about the Hornets here. Uh, Sham or Sheed, Lamelo Ball leads the Hornets in three-point attempts per game.
0: Sham. Oh
2: no no no! Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So because I don't like because I want to make this a game, I'm going to say Sheed just just to give Bryce the opportunity to tie it up. So I'm just going to do the opposite. <laughs> it's Sheed.
1: <laughs> God, <is> it...
2: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. How about this? How about this? If Bryce, if you get the next one right, we're going to make it a tie.
0: Well, we're going to do the tiebreaker either way. So Okay, good. All right. Uh, who is it? Because I think I know who it is. Yeah, so Lamelo's actually third. So Rozier's leading the way 8.2 and then Ubre's yeah. actually <laughs> uh, ahead of him too. With I, eight. I, so that's why I forgot about Rozier, I guess. I was going to say Ubre Jr. That's why I almost changed my answers. I know Ubre Jr. gets him up. And obviously we've seen that firsthand in some Pistons game this year. So. This game is over, ladies and gentlemen. Sham, congratulations. We don't have any celebratory music, but because of the hard work Wes puts in, we will do the final one and the tiebreaker um, because oh. we we enjoy having some fun around here. Yeah, we're all Shams here. We're all Shams
3: here. All right, well, I'll, I'll ask you first, uh, Sham. So Sham or Sheed, uh, just for fun, Terry Rozier averages more minutes per game than LaMelo Ball.
2: That's Sheed. they got to be Sheed.
0: Uh... Sham? It is Sham. Yes. Let's go.
2: Wow. Yes,
3: Rozier's at 33.7. That's second on the team. Miles Bridges is first. He's taken 36. Uh, but LaMelo is third, only 32.7 a night.
0: We got, wow, wow. We got 36 minutes in Detroit for Miles Bridges. I know that much. So, all right. <laughs> we got more than that. <laughs> yes. How many ever minutes he wants? Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Tiebreaker question, and then we got to get Sham out of here.
3: Yeah, and so a little bit of context on the background of this and so potentially part of why LaMelo's minutes are kind of low is he's averaging 3.2 fouls per game. So our tiebreaker, Bryce, I'll ask you first. Sham or Sheed, Cade Cunningham averages more fouls per game than LaMelo Ball. Sham,
2: hmm, do I do I say Sham just to get just to secure the win or do I say Sheed? No, um I actually do think that Sheed. I feel like he's marginally lower than LaMelo.
3: It's she and it's point two less.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say like he gets a lot of fouls, but not three point. With three point two is a lot, right? Oh yeah, yeah. To average that, yeah, it's a lot.
0: I wonder. That's interesting. I did not realize that he hasn't gotten foul trouble in what? How many times have we played Charlotte this year? Two, two, right? At least. I don't remember Lamelo getting in foul trouble though, and but I could see him being one of those defenders that plays very handsy. Going Lomelo. for steal. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and I think Cade. I, I I don't remember Cade ever being like in the foul out territory, but I bet that he gets like three, four fouls a lot. Yeah,
0: well, he always starts the game, and then he, too, yeah. And then he's smart and you know figures it out. I yeah. I do remember one of the games right before the break. He I think he ended with five, but it's not like he wasn't playing in the fourth because he had five right. the whole time or something. So. All right, Sham, man, I am so glad we did this. Yeah, uh, it was be- fun. Before we make the move, it was far too long. We should have had you on far before this. And I apologize for that and for messing up your name. But I, I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, I hope the listeners enjoyed it. So thank you. And just let people know where they can find you on Twitter and anything else that you're doing, where you're DJing. I know you do that. <laughs> all, all the stuff you got going on.
2: Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Sham shamgod, um, And you can see you and if I ever find time to write, you can find some of my work at Detroit Bad Boys when I did did used to write. And I, if I ever do write something, it'll be there. Um, if you're in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area, um, I'm pretty active with the nightlife. So hit me up on Twitter. Uh, more than happy to get you some guest passes or something just to come and come and hang out. Have a nice drink with us.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you so much again, Sham. This was a blast. As always, I want to thank Wes Davenport for everything he does for myself and Motor City Hoops. The MVP. Yes, sir. Some of you have asked, and I want to reiterate, that him coming with me to the new podcast was absolutely a non-negotiable. He will absolutely be a part of the Pistons Pulse. And just a quick reminder to go ahead and subscribe to that on whatever podcast platform you use. Motor City Hoops will be back with a special Sunday drop For a bittersweet final episode. But I could not be more thrilled to be joined by Lauren Williams, Pistons beat writer for M Live, for an overdue appearance on the Motor City Hoops podcast. We hope you will join us for that one. Thank you. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon.